RP3 is ready to step his game up and grab the mic for the latest edition of the Rap Game Podcast. Here is Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Welcome to another episode of the Rap Game Podcast. I'm your host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. And, boy, I got a treat for you. Man, get an old friend to come on here and to talk about sports journalism, to talk about their favorite teams. We'll probably even talk about Kanye West as well and maybe some bourbon. We're going to be all over the place on this podcast. It's my privilege to welcome on to the Rap Game Podcast my old bud, Tyler Nunez. Tyler, good morning, man. How in the hell are you doing up there in Kentucky, brother? I'm doing good, man. It's like 70 degrees. I'm sitting on my porch. It's a beautiful day. Right, I don't, I don't miss the Louisiana heat right now. That's for sure. Okay, thanks for coming on the podcast, Tyler. Appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> that <laughs> oh man, let, let, let's start off, man. Look, it, for those who who don't know, who who may not know, uh, Tyler and I uh, became friends while we were both freelancing for the Advocate um, years ago, and then um, I tried to hire Tyler in Ville Platte, and we'll talk about that because I remember your reaction to me trying to have you hired on at the Ville Platte Gazette, and then, but uh, you, you did great work uh, for the Lake Charles American Press, doing high schools and then quickly covering Meany State, and then, of course, you worked at Tiger Ag. Give us the latest updates. You know, you're getting out of the business. You and your lady moved up to Kentucky. <laughs> And now you're still connected to sports. You only had, what, four months away, and now you're back in it, brother. Tell us about it. Yeah, I'm back. I, I actually did a couple uh, freelance gigs while I was up here for the Courier-Journal, which is uh, that's kind of fun. I'm a big Muhammad Ali fan, so uh, getting a byline in the Courier-Journal, uh, is a, I, I didn't know it was on my bucket list, but it was, it was pretty cool uh, when that happened, uh, even if it was just for some, uh, fast, some, some high school basketball games. But... Uh, but yeah, I'm going to grad school at the University of Louisville. I'll be studying uh, data analysis, and uh, while I do so, I'll be working at as, as a graduate assistant in the uh, sports information office at uh, the University of Louisville's athletic department. So yeah, uh, I apparently can't stay away from the business. I'm looking forward to learning a little bit about the other side, what we used to call the dark side, uh, from a journalistic, uh, from the journalistic standpoint. But uh, it, it should be fun. It should be a good time. Well, congrats on the gig, my man. Let's go back, brother. And uh, we, you and I first started, uh, kind of, I guess, met you. We were both freelancing for The Advocate. I want to say it might have been the state softball tournament in Sulphur. I feel like that's probably when that we. That seems right. That, 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 in that big, yeah, in that big uh, press box that overviews like five different <laughs> fields. They do it right, man. They do it right. You can actually cover three games at the same time. It's ridiculous how that's set up. But yep. it, walk me back through, man. Like I know you went to um, – you started off college at Tech. You ended up at uh, finishing off at LSU, correct? Mm-hmm. You got your degree there. You wanted to pursue journalism. What what kind of sparked it for you? Uh, I know you grew up in the Lake Charles area and you read the American press all the time, but what sparked yeah. for you to want to be a sports journalist? Oh, man, it's one of those things that, like, I never thought I would do, but everyone around me seemed to think I was destined for. Uh, I grew up as an avid sports fan. Uh, despite being born in 1990, I, like, very vividly remember <laughs> watching the Bulls uh, with Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen and Tony Kukoc. Like, I, like, those were my first, like, sports teams. And I remember the war and war home run, even though I was five years old. Like, 
uh, I was I became like very obsessed with competition at a very young age, like to an unhealthy degree. Uh, and uh, so I was always just really attracted to sports. Um, like I'd watch the same episode of Sports Center like five times a day. But whenever I got to college, I had I had no um, I had no thought or desire as like that of that as like an option. I never even like considered it. So I went to Louisiana Tech, thinking I was going to be an engineer like my father. Um, who probably figured out pretty early on that I wasn't that that wasn't going to be for me, but I had to go do it myself, uh, and realized it definitely was not for me. Uh, I had good grades, but I just hated it, and so I transferred to LSU thinking I might go to med school, but I wasn't really sure. Um, and I took an English class and found out I was pretty good at writing, which was pretty surprising to me because I always hated English in high school. Um, which led to me taking a couple mass comm classes uh, and Jay Shelley who was my math comm professor at the time, uh, convinced me to apply for the Daily Reveille LSU student newspaper. Uh, and then the ball just kind of got rolling from there. All of a sudden, I was a sports journalist, uh, whether I wanted to be or not. So uh, that's what I did for the next eight years. Um, it was a lot of fun. I loved it. Uh, I wouldn't trade it at all. Uh, it just kind of came to a natural conclusion for me, uh, and I'm at where I'm at now. So you graduate, and then you're doing freelance work. And you were – refresh my memory, brother, You know, because I was living in Lafayette at the time doing freelance work for The Advocate. We, we were – you and I were doing a lot of high school stuff for Luke Johnson, who was covering the Cajuns yep. at the time. Um, but you were still living over in, in Baton Rouge after graduating, correct? And you were just – you were yeah. c- coming over the basin to cover games, right? And right oh, stories? all the time. Oh, yeah. The, the freelance days were basically I just like – Lived on I-10. Uh-huh. <laughs> I would just travel wherever Luke needed me to go, whether that be like Charles, Lafayette, Baton Rouge, New Orleans, usually Lafayette. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I was living in Baton Rouge after graduation, I think, when we first met. Um, and, yeah, I would regularly, yeah, cross the basin and go to, I, I think my, the most popular spots were, like, Cecilia, because it was right there. Um, and uh, Turling's Catholic, for whatever reason, I ended up, covering them a lot oh yeah you probably spent a lot of time at the uh the uh, tiger truck stop right i mean you know i mean that was probably <laughs> your jam that that, that that seems to be in your wheelhouse right that kind of locale yeah, no actually okay i mean okay you said this is like uh, can, uh, you said this is a place where you can bs uh whenever i was in college doing a capstone i had an assignment covering the department of wildlife and fisheries and i was at one of their meetings once and their lo- the lawyer for the tiger stop guy was there and just like threw the whole thing into chaos for like an hour, trying to argue that they should be considered a zoo. Uh, and then the next time I went, like they had to have like an entire executive session about the whole thing. It was like one of the most bizarre experiences I've ever had covering a. Uh, like those meetings are usually really boring, but that was uh, that was definitely something. I couldn't help, man. I just loved. I actually wrote a column last year when the uh, the toothless Florida woman. Uh, bit mm-hmm. bit the camel because they let their dog sneak into the camel attraction there at the truck stop and then the camel sat on her and everything and i was just like i was just like what are y'all doing man you're just making poor decisions yeah. just poor decisions and of course that cat i give it to him he capitalized on it he started had now has billboards all across i-10 there talking about you know take the bite out of whatever and it's just you know it's just like Oh, oh, gotta love, gotta love South Louisiana. Just gotta love Louisiana attractions, don't you? 
Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, Have you seen the one on the way to? Uh, there's a billboard on the way to Lake Charles, heading west from Lafayette. It says uh, it's around Lacassee, and it's some kind of tractor or something. It says the best hookers in town. <laughs> it's only, only here. Only here. Only here. God God bless Louisiana. God bless Louisiana. Oh, man. All right, so Tyler, so you get the opportunity, man. You're looking for a full-time gig, and your boy, who you became a quick friends with, uh, yours truly, I get a job being the managing editor at the Ville Platte Gazette, twice-a-week newspaper, in charge of it. They were still going to let me do my, my side hustle with covering sports and freelancing for sports, and I'm thinking – I'm going to hook up Tyler with a job, and I'm going to put in a good word and try to hire him as the assistant. Oh, it was the assistant editor, like basically the number two in charge of the small little newsroom. And yeah. I, I, I set you up for the interview, and uh, what, what was your reaction when you showed up in uh, Flat Town, USA, uh, Swamp <laughs> Pop, capital of the world, for that I job mean, like, interview? So, like, I'm not, I wasn't like, I mean, I grew up in Lake Charles. It's not like I grew up in, like, you know, uh, some kind of, like, giant city. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely not, like, um, opposed to or a stranger to small town Louisiana, especially in the South. I mean, I, my dad grew up in a small town called Bell City, uh, which you've probably only heard of reading box scores of Class B basketball <laughs> and baseball in uh, your local newspaper. So, uh, I, and most of my family's out there. Uh, they're not even big enough to have their own paper. So, like, I, I went out there and I was intrigued. Uh, the, the biggest thing is I, I had an opportunity to go out to Boston for a while and stay with some family and see if I could make some stuff work out of, over there. I remember that. And uh, had that not been going on, there, there's a decent chance I would have taken it, although I, I, I'm still not 100% sure. Um, it was just far enough away from home that I would have had to, like, either commute an hour or, or like, buy a, or, or rent a place in Ville Platte. Um, and I wasn't really sure how I felt about the prospects of that. Um, it's, like, I'm, I'm not trying to be rude, and, and I love small-town newspapers like that. I really do. And I also, really, the, the biggest barrier, I think, for me was that uh, I really wanted to work for a daily. I think, uh, Oh yeah. I mean, obviously, I, I had trained to work for a daily uh, at the Daily Reveille. I'd, I'd, you know, spent a lot of time kind of, getting used to writing daily stories and putting out daily copy. And um, uh, I just wanted it to pay off in that kind of way. So, um, yeah, the timing just wasn't right for me. And I, I don't think I don't think the opportunity was right either. Um, no disrespect whatsoever to what they do in Ville Platte, uh and other small papers across the state and country. Uh, those are the lifeblood of journalism as far as I'm concerned. Uh, it just wasn't the right opportunity at the right time for me. And I know I know you're being serious. I was giving you a hard time, but I, I, honestly, yeah. I, I wrote probably some of my best stuff there while working at Ville Platte because you, you know you get you have better access, I guess, when you're working for a small town newspaper because they they're more inclined to uh, let you tell the story, even if it's a serious story or one that's difficult or emotional. They, they tend not yeah. to be as closed off uh, with that, I, which, I, which I liked. Yeah, I think uh, they have, like, if you work for a paper that small, they're much more likely to, to they're in a, in a town that small especially, they're much more likely to trust you. I think another issue I had was, like, it was kind of, uh, there would have been a lot of community stories I had to write, and, like, I don't know the first thing about Ville Platte. Um, so that would have been uh, a little bit tough. to, And that obviously, they're, you know, reporters do that all the time. They go to cities they don't know and obviously kind of entrench themselves. But um, for a community that small, uh, I'd like to think that it would be best served by someone from Bill Platt and who knows Bill Platt, you know? Oh, I know. It was an adjustment for me, too, because, you know, I didn't know. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd covered 
a couple of football games and a couple of basketball games when I worked up in Alexandria at the Town Hall because at that time we still covered the Evangeline Parish. So I knew a little bit about it, but, you know, I didn't know all the movers and shakers and having to go to police jury meetings and chamber of commerce meetings. And I'm like, I don't know any of these people. Like, like you're just like, what? Yeah. What, what, what? I don't know what's important. So it definitely takes a while. But for you, the thing in Boston didn't work out, but you did get an opportunity shortly after that, brother, where you got to work for your hometown newspaper, the newspaper that you grew yeah. up loving to read, where you just kind of combed over the pages for all the box scores and all the stories and got to read Scooter Hobbs's columns. And then you get to work at that paper, the Lake Charles American Press. I mean, that that was kind of the dream for you, right? I mean, that, that was your hometown paper that you always dreamt about working for. And then sure enough, you end up getting a full-time job. And then you end up getting one of the most important jobs there, covering Meany State. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was a dream come true. I grew up going to McNeese football games. Uh, that was always fun to tell the uh, the boosters and stuff when you go talk to them. You know, the, you, they they have them in this in this room that overlooks the football field, and you're like, I was sitting right there when they beat Villanova, and y'all scored down the goal goalposts. Like, uh, it, it it was a lot of fun. Uh, I wouldn't have traded that experience for anything. I got to work with great people like Scooter Hobbs, Warren Arsenault, uh, Crystal Stevenson, the editor over there, is, is phenomenal. Um, it, it, it really is a great paper for a budding journalist because you have all the freedom in the world uh, as long as you know you're doing your job, uh, and they'll and they'll let you they'll, they'll leave you to it. Uh, there's no kind of corporate homogeny that you're kind of stuck with. Like if you're if you're uh, working for a paper like Gannett, it's a it's a locally owned, family owned uh, organization. It's small, much smaller than it used to be, but it's still going strong. It's a daily newspaper. Um, I couldn't recommend that place enough for a, a young journalist right out of college. What were some of your favorite memories covering McNeese State? Um, either you know, e- e- either good or bad. Sometimes you know, um, sometimes you write stuff and people get a little salty with you, including very diehard cowpoke fans who are um, not afraid to express themselves in the comment section no. or by email or snail mail or by telephone. So give us some of the, those highlights, brother, when you were covering the Cowboys. Yeah, uh, I think my favorite part was getting that email from Louisiana Lafayette every time I referred to them as Louisiana Lafayette in the paper. Uh, no. Uh, I'm you sorry, said, I didn't mean to said, alienate no, your entire... No, no, no because I had, I, I had David Barry on a while back on the podcast, and we kind of brought that up, and he said it was he had to learn, right? Because he's coming, you know, he worked in Beaumont, and he worked, uh, it covered Lamar, he worked with me in Beaumont, but he went back home to South Florida, and he didn't you know, really know about, you know, uh, the Raging Cajuns and everything like that. He didn't know about the McNeese State, you know, go to hell USL chant from back in the day or anything like that. And he said, you know, he I think he turned in a story and they're like, no, 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 no. This this is inaccurate. And David was like, well, that's how it is on, you know, from the athletic department and everything like that. And like he's been there like, no, no, we don't refer to them as <laughs> as that. So David's like, oh, oh, he, he found out real quick. Just how significant uh, that was on how to refer to the Raging Cajuns. Yeah, I remember whenever I was at McNeese, there was a poor like uh, girl in sports information who wrote a story and referred to them as, I don't remember if she referred to them as UL or Louisiana or what, but she, they just ripped into her for, for putting that on the McNeese website. And it, it's a little silly and it's petty, but uh, it, it's also fun. Um, but to get back to your original question, I had a lot of fun covering McNeese. Lance Guidry, uh Say what you will about him. He's an entertaining guy to cover. Um, obviously, I got to go know both of the Orgeron kids. 
Cody and Parker pretty well. Um, so that that was kind of fun transitioning from McNeese to LSU from that perspective. Being able to being able to talk to Ed about you know Parker on a pretty personal level and his uh, you know having him having to quit football. Uh, I think that really helped me out a lot in, in a lot of cases and um, and that was neat. Uh, and then there's always like some wackadoo story going on about how like someone tried to kick Ed Orgeron out of his seat at a football game. Oh, you! I remember that one. That was uh, that. That things got a little salty for you there on that one, wasn't it? Didn't it? Yeah, it was. That was an interesting one. Uh, yeah, I don't want to get too involved in that one, but I had, yeah, it, that that was a weird story. Uh, that was a weird story. But uh, it, I mean, I I didn't. Think it, whenever I put it in the paper, it was more of like kind of supposed to be like a little like side blurb. Yeah, but, like like uh, like like a little notebook item, right? It was just a throwaway. Yeah, thing, it was right? like a, yeah, it was just like a little like haha, this is funny, it happened. But uh, some people got real salty about it, and yeah, <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> oh, oh, Tyler, uh, you're there, and you're, you're you're cutting your teeth. Your first kind of full time job uh, at a daily newspaper. And you're covering me, Nice State. Did you ever during that time? And I know we all have dreams and we all have aspirations. You're like, hey, when I get to this point in my career, I want to be able to do this or cover this team. Or if that beat opens up, I want to, you know, jump on that. It's, it, it, I get the notification if that job is available. But did you ever think in, in your wildest dreams that you would one day be able to cover the LSU Tigers? Uh, I had a decent idea. I mean, I did it in college, right? Uh, so I got a, I, I cheated a little bit, right? Uh, being able to go to a university like LSU and work for a uh, student newspaper, the quality of the Daily Reveille. Uh, not to brag, we were the the the, uh, the best college daily in the in the country, according to the Society of Professional Journalists at the time. Oh, so, there, there's the flex. Uh, we were, there's a flex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we also got best sports section in a number of uh, different organizations. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> there. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, I also had an opportunity. I was. Uh, I had an internship with NOLA.com and the Times Pick. May it, may it rest in peace um, back then. And uh, so I had an idea I'd eventually find my way back, uh, even if it wasn't immediate. I had some things not really work out uh, with the Times Pick at the time uh, due to some confusion in management. Uh, and that's kind of what led to my freelancing career. But, uh, but yeah, I, I figured eventually I would be able to work my way back. I definitely didn't want to stay in Lake Charles forever. Um, I, I love Lake Charles. That's my hometown, but uh, I, I just didn't. I'm not the kind of person who wants to stay in one place for uh, a super extended period of time. Uh, so, um, but yeah, I, when when James called with the opportunity to to work for Tiger Rag, uh, me and James worked together at the Reveille. Uh, it seemed like a, a good match, and I and I jumped on it. Refresh my memory. What was kind of your your primary beats? I mean, I know you covered football, but what was your primary kind of responsibilities there for Tiger Rag? Yeah, football and basketball were the big ones. That's right. Um, and yeah, James and, and James and James hand, handled baseball and football. You guys kind of tag team football. You have to at yeah. at, at Tiger Rag. At LSU, yeah, yeah, because there's so many availabilities. And we, I mean, at Tiger Rag, it's. I mean, we do we did so much stuff. Uh, like we had we had the radio show every week. We had podcasts, and on top of that, we're trying to put together a magazine. So Which, by the way, Tiger Rag like, Radio, you can listen to live every Tuesday night on 103.7 The Game here in uh, the greater Acadiana area. I just wanted to get that yeah, in. So Thank you. Jeff Palermo, it might be like the most <laughs> underrated uh, like radio broadcaster in the state. I, I love that guy. I love uh, so I, I love talking to him, 
And then Tyler, I'll, I'll, uh, and I talked to you know the 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 new editor that's been an editor for a while is, is Ron Higgins, and I asked Ron, yeah. I was like, Ron, I have him on every Tuesday. I was like, Ron, what are you guys doing for Tiger Rag Radio tonight? And he goes, I have no idea. Jeff handles all that, and he's great. I just show up. <laughs> <laughs> no, Jeff is like a consummate professional. Uh, he's been over there at the Louisiana Radio Network for for over a decade, maybe two. Uh, he is. Uh, he's phenomenal at what he does, so I, I can't recommend listening to that show enough. He, he's great. So you're covering Tiger Rag. You and I both went to the SEC tournament in Nashville. <laughs> I, I remember that, and I remember that. Oh, it was such a short trip. It was just like I was. Our website was down. Uh, oh, that's right. Remember, yeah. <laughs> I had to. I had to like write a a, a gamer like with uh, like a recruit style notes on iPhone type thing. Yeah. And publish it on Twitter. It was, uh, it was ridiculous. It was awful. It was awful. Uh, and, and then the LSU loses in the, their first game against Florida. And it's like, oh, come on, man. Like, I already booked a hotel. And I was like, all right, well, I might as well get me some hot chicken. And I did. And I enjoyed myself uh, thoroughly for that. But, you know, you, you, you were able to cover some some huge things. That, that great LSU season, which was obviously, uh, you know, they get to the Sweet 16. You, you get to be part of that. But you also, you know, Will Wade gets suspended. And uh, they have the yeah. investigation and the Yahoo report, and, and that's a huge deal. And you're yeah. on that beat. What was that like, just specifically covering the LSU men's basketball team during that season? I covered them a little bit, you know, here and there, coming to games. But you were, you know, in in, in the muck, so to speak, a day in and day out. What was it like with all the spotlight being, you know, so bright for well, for some of it good reasons, some of it just really bad reasons on the LSU men's basketball program that season? Yeah, it was uh, it was something else. Uh, it, it's always weird when it seems like the national guys have a better grasp on like the inner workings of your program than uh, than you as the local media, but that's just kind of the nature of the beast with these Power Five programs now. Uh, so I, I mean, I was working hard. Uh, it, it was an interesting time. Um, it, I didn't expect them to make it to the Sweet Sixteen. Uh, so when they when Tremont hit Waters hit that shot against Maryland, uh, that, that was something pretty special. Um, I, I really I have a soft place in my heart for that team. Obviously, uh, what happened with Wade Sims yeah. to start that season was was very tragic, and um, obviously way more tragic than anything that happened with Will Wade. Um, and they they really just kind of carried that throughout the season. And that's I mean I don't know. It, there, there's, there's that's one of those special things that only happens in sports. It feels like, or at least you only like see it in sports. Is uh, being able to overcome something like that, like just such like a profound tragedy and, and turning it into something positive. Uh, I think that's what, I mean, that's one of the reasons I love telling stories about these athletes is because they've, they've worked so hard for so long on a singular goal and, uh, and their ability to kind of focus negative energy into something positive is something that I don't think a lot of people have. And Tyler, not only did you get to cover the, men's basketball team but then you were there starting to cover what ended up being a historic season what ended up being possibly the greatest season in college football history yeah that was kind of fun uh, yeah that was that was that that, that, that that was just a little fun wasn't it it was just it's just a, a little fun and uh remember did you did you go to sec media days last year i it, did not i was scheduled that, to and then uh it, it didn't work out that's right you didn't go that, that's right that's right I, I went and i remember talking to people there and there was there was a buzz about LSU you know they'd come off the 10 win season and 
uh, beating the defending national champs UCF <coughs> in uh, the uh, Fiesta Bowl. And th- there was just a real buzz about that team. Uh, for a guy who you know grew up, grew up in Louisiana, you went to LSU, you're an LSU alum, what was that like for you from kind of like the fan alum perspective to see that season unfold in front of you? Uh, it was kind of weird to see like promises made kept <laughs> as far as like offenses go. It was also, you know what the weirdest part about that season was? is like the lack of drama. Like there was a profound lack of drama uh, going into that season and coming and like going throughout it. Yeah, because uh, remember the year was, before like, – the year before, Edo was on the hot seat nationally, and then you had all the quarterbacks transferring out because Burrow came in, and you had some right, other kind of like, off-the-field stuff. Yeah, you had kids getting arrested for this and that, and uh, yeah, it and the, and that seemed like it that seemed like it was just like part of LSU's program culture at that point, right? Because that goes back to, I mean, Jordan Jefferson and Jeremy Hill. <laughs> like, I mean, like. Uh, not, nothing against those guys, and I and I, I'll go on the record of saying that Jeremy Hill is one of my favorite comeback stories in, in LSU history. But um, I, I think that everyone just kind of assumed that like that's just kind of what it takes to run a program. You're going to have, you know, that many guys, young guys. Like it's just going to be part of the problem. Like that's just going to be part of the culture. But uh, whatever Ed did to to make to keep that at a minimum, it was wildly impressive. I think you had like one issue where a player hit Joe Burrow uh, in practice too hard, so like that was like like that, that feels like like it was like the biggest piece of drama going into the season. So uh, that's impressive uh, from my perspective, and uh, if he can keep that going, LSU's going to have a lot of success moving forward. Big highlight for you was was what actually covering the team that year. Now you didn't you weren't you, you did not finish out. The national championship season, you left Tiger Rag, uh, you, you fell in love, you and your lady relocated to Kentucky, so you weren't able to see it all the way to the finish line, so to speak. But you were there for the majority of the season, brother. So, what was kind of the biggest, like some of the biggest, your favorite moments, biggest highlights from covering LSU's national championship season last year? Uh, the Texas game comes to mind. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, just. Uh, being there in Austin for an LSU-Texas game, first of all. I hate those neutral site games. Uh, so, so LSU going to an actual hostile non-conference environment, uh, that was something that I was glad I was able to witness. Uh, also, that the you know the game-clenching play was absolutely insane. Uh, so like the, being in the press box for that moment and listening to everyone react uh, to the realization that Joe Burrow might be the best player in college football was, was uh, something else. Um, uh, and then my last game, uh, oh, uh, I, I didn't go to the Alabama game, but watching them finally beat Alabama, that was, that was pretty fun. Uh, that, you know, that, that, that's just a good story, right? Just a team that had just for almost a decade can't overcome like this hurdle and to watch them finally overcome it. That, that was pretty, uh, special to watch. And then my last game was the SEC championship game. So, uh, going to the Mercedes Benz Dome or whatever the heck they call it nowadays. And, uh. And, and watching them uh, just kind of drum Georgia the way they did in 2011, uh, that, that was a lot of fun. To that was, that was my last game, uh, being able to kind of be there and get on the field and, and talk to those players one last time. Uh, it, it it felt like the, a good cap to my uh, my short career covering LSU football. Now I know you, you and I, you and I were, were friends. So you had told me that you were you you had 
you had told me that you had been leaving for a little while. So we actually, after our, it was after a basketball game, you and I went out and uh, got some drinks and we were just kind of hanging out and everything like that. But what was the reaction when you told people in the midst of possibly the greatest season in LSU history? No, it is the greatest season in LSU history, maybe the greatest season in college football history, that you were stepping away from the beat and you were doing it for love. When people told you, not 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 your inner circle, right? Your good friends, your family, they understand that. They already knew about your relationship. I don't and, know. I think my family still thinks I'm a little crazy. But, uh... <laughs> but what was that like, man? What was the reaction? I mean, I know I gave you a little bit of a hard time, but I was like, look, man, you got to do, if you, you know, you it, it, what feels right. That's what you should do here. But I know, I mean, I know you probably caught a little flack from folks, right? A little bit. I mean, uh, more puzzled looks than anything. But uh, <laughs> I, it's so like for me, it's always been a job. You know, it's a business. Uh, I love sports, but um, covering sports, it's a lot of work, and it is a job. You know, and uh, so uh, as much of a professional opportunity it would have been, and as fun as it would have been to cover a national championship. Uh, I had an opportunity to come move up here to Louisville uh, with my girlfriend, who's uh, a public defender up here, and uh, she uh, and it, the timing was just right. You know, um, we had a trip planned for uh, that December to go to Paris and and, and see her family, um, and uh, the, the the timing was just right. Uh, it, it didn't feel right, and, it, and it, I'm glad we did because if I had waited around the if I if I hadn't gone in December, I probably would have tried to stay through basketball season. Uh, and then uh, we would have hit the, the you know the current pandemic that we're dealing with now. I I, I can't say I have any complaints about um, the decision I made. I was able to go to a, an LSU bar up here, watch LSU win the national championship, and actually kind of celebrate it, uh, which is something I wouldn't have been able to do if I was working. So um, yeah, it, it, it was. I, I have no regrets whatsoever about the decision I made. Everything's worked out uh, pretty perfectly. We just bought a house. Uh, I'm, I'm living the dream. So, uh, yeah, people people can look funny all they want, but I'm pretty happy with what I'm where I'm at. One of the main reasons why I wanted you to have come on the pod was kind of I love your your perspective. Is you know obviously I'm only a <clears throat> few years older than you, uh, <laughs> so I look at the business a little bit um, differently, and you know, but I see it constantly changing, right? And but. Uh, Tyler, you're younger. You adapted. You were very much a multimedia journalist, but yet, you know, you, you stepped away from your perspective as a guy who's been in the business. You know, really only a few years. You've had some great success. You stepped away from it. Where do you think we stand right now with sports journalism in you know right now in 2020, where things seems things are so in flux with our business? whether it's working for websites or working for radio stations or newspapers, whatever it might be, it, it doesn't seem, let's be honest, the most stable. Yeah, it's tough, man. Uh, I, it, it, it's, a, it's a tough business to be in. It's something that it, when people ask me, like, you know, people, people's parents, everybody's parents, like every dad wants their kid, like their son to be like a sports writer, right? Like that's just like a popular, you know, job that they want their son to have. So they want me to talk to them about it, and I just have to be honest and be like, you have to, like, really like doing this because you're not going to get paid a lot to do it. Uh, you're going to have very little job security, uh, and it's thankless. Like, people are going to hate you for, like, no reason. <laughs> um, so 
it's uh, it, it's a tough sell. Um, and, and like you said, it's always changing. I think it, one of the biggest challenges uh, journalists, especially sports journalists, are going to have moving forward is differentiating themselves from athletic departments that are uh, quickly um, kind of supplanting them from a content standpoint. Because, I mean, like, I worked at, you know, I did a lot of multimedia stuff, but I don't have the resources that LSU has to put out hype videos and these long, like, long-form multimedia stories about Joe Burrow that span, like, weeks at a time. And, uh, you know, and I, I think that journalism is extremely important. Um, it, it, like, athletic departments can spin all they want, but if you, I mean, eventually the truth has to, has to come out, and that, that's the job of journalists. And, Unfortunately, that's not sexy. That's not attractive to the the you know the modern consumer. So uh, it's tough. Uh, I think. I mean, we just saw it with Alex Hickey, Alex Hickey, another former LSU beat writer who was at West Virginia, who was in a great spot, and because of the economic downturn over the last six months, he, he just lost his job. And I wish him the best because he's a phenomenal reporter. So if, if you if you're in a position to hire him, I would definitely recommend giving him a shout. Uh, but it's uh, it's tough out there because it can turn on a dime, uh, and uh, you you gotta really 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 enjoy doing it because um, it, it's a tough, low paying, thankless job. What would you tell someone that's maybe going to LSU to study journalism and is working at the Reveille or and wants to? What what would you tell them? Uh, honestly, Totter, would you tell them, hey? Uh, maybe you think of this as maybe a part-time job or, or, or something. I mean, honestly, because you're young enough that you could connect with them and give them some sound advice from someone who's done an internship, freelancer, worked at the hometown paper, worked for a magazine. You know, what would you tell those kids maybe going to LSU right now to study uh, journalism and have aspirations of being a sports journalist? I would never tell them not to do it. Uh, if you want to do it, Go do it, but uh, you're gonna get out of this career what you put in, mm. and that starts in college. Uh, like you're you're not gonna get hired without a resume. They don't care about your GPA at all. Uh, <laughs> I'm not saying go like <laughs> flunk all your classes, but like I've never had a single employer look at my GPA. They want to look at my clips. Um, which has been which which has been hugely but, beneficial in my career, where no one's asked to look at my GPA, which is sure, uh, which I mean, is great. A, it's a pure experience based. Oh, yeah. uh, job uh, and the only way you get experience is by going out and getting experience. No one's going to give you experience. You have to go out and, and find stories and uh, request uh, games and do all that. I highly recommend the Reveille. It's a lot different than uh, what it was uh, when I was there. It's no longer a daily. It is a large, large online component. Uh, but you're going to go and, and some of the. I mean, Kennedy Landry uh, over there at the Reveille. Uh, she, she did great work, and now she's uh, working with the advocate in some capacity now. Uh, and, and she's a great example of someone who worked very, very hard uh, for a number of publications, across, not just across the city, but across the state. Uh, and uh, it got her to uh, it, it got her to great lengths in this career. Uh, and that's what you have to do. You have to work really hard from like a, a very young age. I got in it late. I was coming at it from a disadvantage. But if you can get in there, um, if you're in high school listening to this and you really want to do this, get to LSU, start working immediately, get on the Reveille staff as quickly as you can, uh, and, and start 
emailing every editor in the area asking if you can help them out in any way, shape, or form, whether that be taking phone calls for sports games, whether that be uh, writing a gamer, uh, any way you can help, uh, that, because, because that's, that's the only way uh, you're, you're going to be able to get ahead in this business. Um, and, and again, you got to remember, and, and college is the perfect place to figure out if, if you actually want to do that, right? Like, yeah, there's no, um, there's very minimal risk and wasting those couple of years. If you find out two years later that you hate this, don't do it because you're not going to want to do it for another 20 years. But if you're doing it and you love the thrill and you like finding that story and you, you like digging through a lot of mundane pieces of paper to find that one kernel of information that everyone needs to know, uh, I highly recommend uh, just kind of just, just work hard, uh, network as well as you can, and, and, and get your name and get your byline in as many publications as you can. Would you also recommend uh, pursuing a degree in engineering first before doing that, like you did, Tom? First? Uh, <laughs> I mean, if you think you want to be an engineer, go like, go be an engineer. That's a way easier life. That's I mean, a, not, but that's a, a, work, like, I, I love you, Tyler, but that's such a drastic change, man. Like this, that's, what I, that's what I love about your story. It, this cat is going to Louisiana Tech to be an engineer. Your mindset is, I'm going to study engineering. Like that's your mindset. That's how your brain's working. Like you got one of those really great minds that uses the part of the brain that's all about science and numbers and stuff, which is fascinating to me because that's just completely foreign. And then you're like, oh no, I'm going to be a sports journalist. It's crazy how life works, though, brother, isn't it? It's just crazy how that thing, how how things work and paths open up to you that you weren't expecting or were planning for. And I think usually a lot of times, for me personally, when I, I go down those unexpected paths and those those doors open for me that I wasn't really looking for or planning for. That tends to be the most rewarding uh, moments and kind of opportunities that I've ever presented myself. Yeah, and when you're going to a school like LSU, like uh, so, like it, so I, what I was going to say earlier, if you want to be an engineer, go be an engineer. Your life's going to be easier. You're going to work a lot harder in college, but when you get out, you're going to be making like at least sixty thousand dollars a year. Uh, and you'll work a regular nine to five. You'll probably have every other Friday off. Like that's great. If that's what you want to do with your life, that's awesome. But for those of us who um, hate that, <laughs> we uh, like it's okay. Uh, and you're going to get told a lot that it's not okay, especially like in high school. Everyone's going to push you uh, towards those STEM fields, and that's great. We need STEM people. But if if you can't do that, like like me, um, at least for your undergrad. Uh, it, it's okay that you want to get into the arts. You just have to do it responsibly, right? Um, don't just go get a history degree uh, expecting to, to get a job right out of college. Uh, you're going to have to work really hard, and you're probably going to have to get another degree on top of that if you're going to major in history or some other kind of arts. But my, my point is, is there are going to be opportunities that open up to you, and they may not seem um, fun at the moment, when you're in an arts degree, but you have to take some of those and trust your gut, but you have to take some of those to kind of, uh, to pay for the creative license that you want to use down the road. Um, so yeah, I, I highly recommend getting an arts degree or uh, a journalism degree or a history degree, any of those philosophy or any of those, uh, that don't seem, um, like immediately tangibly, um, productive to a lot of people. Uh, but you have to do it uh, with the right mindset. You can't just go like, oh, I'm just going to like fill my mind with all of these ideas, and then when I get out of college, I'll figure it out. You have to be like actively figuring it out while you're in college and, and take those opportunities as they come. 
you know, for me, you mentioned a history degree. That's what I have my bachelor's degree in uh, from LSUA. Yeah. And I, I went back to school. Like, I have an associate's degree in radio TV broadcasting. My first two radio jobs, I got laid off. And I was like, well, okay, what am I going to do? And I somehow got my foot in the door in in print journalism and worked my way up to becoming a sports editor. And then, you know, here I am now. But, you know, I decided to go back to school. And I wanted, yeah, you know, I went back to school for the for the for no other reason you know, I, I told people initially i was like well you know uh it'd be nice to have a degree for future you know uh, to get a job in the future and, and and maybe that played a role but for me i wanted to go back to school and i wanted to study history and that's what i wanted to get my degree in i, I was uh, it was it was what i wanted to do and i went back in my 30s to do that but i don't regret that and people are like well you know you don't use that history again i go i go, I go time out yeah, I go yeah, all the research use it all the time. Right. All the research that I had to do and the research papers and going through boxes of old uh, documents from a sugarcane plantation as a project and, and everything like that. I learned so many great skills while I was working in the business. Like I didn't stop working at the town talk covering sports. I was actually the sports editor and Northwestern State beat reporter in high school and covered high schools while getting my degree. And the two just fused together, and I became such a better writer and storyteller because I got my degree in history. So I tell people all the time, Tyler, you know, if you want to take a year to take just general study courses and get the basics out of the way to try to figure out what you want to do and get adjusted to campus life and get adjusted to college, I recommend that. But get your degree with what you what you want to do, what's going to make you happy, because I know so many folks, so many people. They got a degree, like you said, to make a certain amount of money. Like that was their whole motivation. I want to get this job because I want to make be able to make this amount of money and have this and have a boat and have a you know uh, a four wheeler and everything like that because that's what's important to me. And five, seven, eight years down the road, they're miserable because that's not what they really want to do because they don't love it. They just t- got the job to make money. And you know, I always tell people all the time. Get your degree. If you're going to go to college, get your degree in something that you absolutely love. Plain and simple. Yeah. Or, I mean, like, there's some other perspectives out there, too. Like, if, if you want to work for the weekend, uh, going into a STEM degree like engineering is another great way. Like, if you don't really care where you work and you just want to make that money so that, like, you're, you know, so that you can spend, you know, be comfortable outside of work, that's another perfectly valid philosophy to take to, to your life. But, uh just make sure that you're not going to be completely miserable punching numbers every day because that's what you're going to be doing. You know, you're going to be, I mean, I grew up around engineers. Uh, I should have realized very early on that I would have hated it. But it, uh, if you're the type of person who likes to take apart like washing machines and put them back together like a psychopath and have right at it. <laughs> uh, my brother didn't, never took away uh, a washing machine, but he was always uh, naturally inclined and stuff that he would take apart the lawnmower and try to build it back yeah. together. And it's just how his brain worked. And I would just look at him and yeah. I go, I would rather tell the story of you doing that than actually doing that. <laughs> and that's the, you know, that's the separation there. Well, I was just inside playing video games. The whole time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, Tyler, I, I got to ask you, man, uh, you, you getting settled. Uh, how, um, before we get to, you know, ask you how excited you are, but I also want to get your thoughts on, you're looking at this now, you're kind of out of the business, but now you're looking at sports and COVID-19, brother. And here we are in it's uh, unprecedented time. Do you feel like we're going to be able to get college football in with all these new things that they're doing with the conference only schedule or, you know, a, a plus one situation and they're they're moving the start date to the end of September 
and everything like that. Do you think we're going to get college football games in? And I'm going to ask you, do you think we should try to play? Oh, man. It's tough, man. I So, like, I uh, do I think they're going to find a way to make it happen? I think the, the way that baseball has been able to, like, kind of brute force itself uh, into a season – is indicative of the way I think a lot of conferences are gonna are, are gonna try to act. So I think that we're gonna have some semblance of a season. Uh, we're at least gonna have a start of one. Uh, we're gonna see how many kids uh, get sick. Uh, I pray to God that that no one gets deathly ill. Uh, that's my big, biggest concern for this because if a kid dies over a football game, I'm not sure. Uh, I, I I don't know how we're gonna deal with that. Um, Ethic, like from an ethical standpoint as a business uh, or as an industry in general. Uh, whether or not they should, I, my, I lean towards no. Uh, I know I'm going to have a lot of people like mad at me for saying that, um, but it just doesn't seem like the smartest thing to me to have a bunch of 18 to 22-year-olds living together and uh, playing uh, contact sports right now. Uh, I, I realize that it's a... Uh, touchy subject, and I realize why people want sports. I want sports back as well. Uh, but when you can't provide a bubble the way like the, NF- the NBA and the NHL can, uh, I mean, we're seeing with Major League Baseball, like every week there's a new team that has to postpone um, multiple games because uh, the, the players aren't healthy. And it, it, it's just tough. And, and I think I think gambling with 18- to 22-year-old lives uh, whether they want to or not, um, over what's essentially entertainment, like going to a movie theater, just doesn't feel like uh, the, the best course of action, in my opinion. Obviously, there are plenty of people who disagree. Uh, they're more than welcome to that opinion. I'm not going to demonize anyone for, for uh, enjoying football and wanting to watch football or even going out and playing football. Uh, I just want uh, people to be healthy and safe. Uh, so uh, that's just my personal perspective on it. Well said, brother. Well said. And I, I agree, too, because I, I feel, you know, th- there's the part of me that is wants football and is important. And I also understand the economics of how important it is to have these football games and have these fans and have that revenue to help bankroll all the other sports. Right. So this is it's 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 not a it's not a black and white issue by any stretch of the imagination. I just. I'm keeping my fingers crossed. I love what I'm seeing out of the NBA. Man, they're just killing it with this bubble situation. They, they, they are doing it the right way, and it's working. Um, I do have to ask you, uh, Lou Williams, should we go ahead and name him the NBA bubble MVP? Can we go ahead and do that now? And second part of that question, are there any establishments in Louisiana or possibly now in Kentucky, uh, gentlemen clubs, that uh, possibly have some type of dish named after you? Absolutely not. I'm not a big gentleman club club guy. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so that is now. the correct um, answer, Tyler. Always the correct answer is say it that way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, Lou Williams. Nothing if not honest, Ray. Uh, but uh, <laughs> hey, man, my man wanted to go get some wings. I can't blame him. I love wings too. So. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. He was there for the wings, sure. Um, so <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just let's just be honest. Hey, um. I got to ask you about your man Kanye West. Uh, so, do you do you have? Okay, 
so 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 people reacted the way they did about Kanye, and they're like, "Well, Kanye is acting crazy." And my first, I, the first person I said something to, I was like, "Look, anyone that's paid attention to Kanye since he came out, even when he was still producing back in the day for Jay Z and kind of making a name for himself that way." Kanye's always been a little crazy. He's always been a little manic. He's always been that way. The pendulum has always swung for him. This is not a new development. And I know everyone's now like, oh, you know, Kanye. Look, this is Kanye's always had these kind of issues. Can we really be that surprised? And here's the other thing. Can you really also be that surprised when you marry into the Kardashians? I'm just saying. Look (laughs) at the people that get associated with the Kardashians. They all go crazy. I'm, I'm just saying. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it used to be kind of like a lovable kind of eccentrism with, with Kanye, but uh, I don't know. Yes, yes, the, yes. The quirky, that, the quirky artist that you accepted. Yeah. You accepted the kind of difficulties because of the brilliance, right? right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And now, I, I'm not going to get into politics here, but it's a lot less lovable eccentrism now, and I think that it's safe to say that. That claiming that Harriet Tubman didn't free any slaves is, is not a good thing to say. Uh, <laughs> I think, Regar- I think regardless, <laughs> regardless if you're a famous hip-hop producer and rap artist and one of the most successful uh, just acts mm-hmm. of the last decade, mm-hmm. regardless if you're that or if you're just a guy living in Louisville uh, uh, getting his master's degree. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, maybe maybe don't say that, uh, no matter what your intentions are. Um that being said, I, I wish nothing but the best for him. I think he's like a sick guy, uh, and uh, he's, I, I hope that he's okay. That, that you know, I don't know Kanye personally. I try not to uh, to judge people from afar like that. Um, I, I've been a big fan of his work for a long time. I wasn't a big the biggest fan of his last album. Uh, maybe the next one will be better uh, if it ever comes out. And, uh, yeah, I, I hope he's okay. Uh, I, I genuinely do. I, I just, like, as a fellow human being, I hope that, like, he's doing okay. I know a lot of celebrities are going up there and seeing him. They seem to be having a good time up in Wyoming. Uh, I don't know. It's a weird situation. I don't, like, like, it's just, like, it's just, like, strange. I didn't think that, like, in, I'd be almost 30, like, watching Kanye West, like, invite Dave Chappelle to, like, a giant estate in Wyoming. Like, that's just not where uh, I thought we'd be at. Oh, 2020. 2020. <laughs> 2020 is just undefeated. It is kicking our butt, man. It's kicking our butt. Hey, man, we'll wrap it up with this a thing on a positive. Uh, mm-hmm. Give me, can you give me your uh, favorite Kanye West album or maybe your top three and your absolute favorite Kanye track? Can you do okay. that? Yeah, so, I mean, the best, my favorite is probably uh, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Mm-hmm. Just, uh, I think that was his magnum opus. I would agree. Uh, I grew up, uh, College Dropout was probably the one I've listened to the most because it, 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 I listened to it in middle school and it changed my life. Uh, and I'm a big fan of Jesus. Uh, uh, I went to the Jesus tour. Uh, I think that it's an underrated album and it kind of bangs. So uh, I'm going to put that as my number three. And Devil in a Red Dress is probably uh, my favorite Kanye Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Yeah. It's so good, that man. Rick Ross, that Rick Ross verse. It's so good. It's so good. All right, brother. Uh, one more, man. Just uh, look, man, j- j- just how excited you are about what you got going up there in, in Louisville. You- you're there with your lady. 
you're in love, you're living the dream. I, I know following you on social media and texting you, you're enjoying living in bourbon country. Um, so I, we'll wrap it up with this, man. Uh, how do you prefer to have your bourbon? Me and a couple of my buddies, we did the bourbon tour, went up there in the Louisville area a couple of years ago and had a great time, had a, like a guy's weekend. So how do you um, prefer to have your bourbon and what's your go-to uh, a bottle on uh, there at the uh, Nunez compound? Are you going to get me to talk about bourbon? All right. So uh, I always have a bottle of Buffalo Trace on me. It's $45 up here in Louisville or less. Uh, easy to drink, very delicious. Obviously, if you know Blanton's, uh, that's who makes it. Mm-hmm. It's a great baseline whiskey. Um, for that, That's like my mixing bourbon. Uh, if I want like a gold rush, that's probably my favorite bourbon drink where you, uh, it, it, it's, it's uh, two parts bourbon, one part lemon juice, uh, one part honey, and you shake it and pour it over ice. It's delicious. Highly recommend. Um, as far as Sipping bourbons, Eagle Rare is great. I'm a big fan of Angel's Envy. Uh, and uh, I people will tell you not to drink bourbon over ice. Those people are ridiculous. If you like your bourbon over ice, drink it over ice. It opens up flavors. If you want, if, if you don't want that much water, feel free to. I, I highly recommend just dropping a couple bo- like drops of water in your bourbon. It'll open up an entirely new flavor palette. I like putting it on like a large thing of ice because it changes the flavor as it goes, and I like my things to change. I, I, I like things to. I don't like things being the same all the time. Uh, but it, I mean, if you like your bourbon neat, have at it. Just don't be pretentious about it. You're perfectly fine to drink your bourbon over ice. There you go. You heard it. We covered covering McNeese State, LSU, going to school to be an engineer, finding your passion with what degree program you want to choose recommendations on entering the business, Kanye West, bourbon, and COVID. Uh, that's a hell of a podcast, brother. I'm not going to lie to you. You delivered, man. You delivered. I knew I got, you would. I got one more. I'm going to need you all to wish me luck because this weekend I'm popping the question to the girlfriend, okay? So My man. That's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a big weekend. So wish me luck. Don't tell her, please. And uh, we'll uh, hopefully by the next time you have me on, Ray, I'll, I'll be happily engaged. So d- does that mean I need to uh, uh, stop or, or, or delay uh, publishing the podcast this week? Is there a particular no. day? No, no. Okay. Well, no, we'll no, no. You're fine. She's, <laughs> a, she's not going to listen to this. Thank you. Thank she, you. Hates, she hates sports. She, has, she finds, like, no joy in them whatsoever. <laughs> I've been watching. I have to get my baseball watching done during the day because when she gets home, it's time to watch The Bachelor or something. So. Oh, nice, nice. Tyler, bud, appreciate you making the time, as always, my friend. And, man, right. you're, you're just killing life, brother. Couldn't be uh, more proud uh, of you. And uh, best of luck, and I can't wait to uh, get come up there, man, and come up for a visit, and we can uh, have some bourbon and uh, have Absolutely. a great time, brother. Hey, man, we got a guest room. You're, you're more than welcome. All right, bud. Talk to you later, bud. Mm-hmm. That's Tyler Nunez, former McNeese State beat reporter for Lake Charles American Press, LSU football and basketball beat reporter for Tiger Rag, now lives in Louisville and joined himself and uh, big Kanye West fan and bourbon fan. And that's that's all good. That's it's all good. That's all great. Appreciate Tyler coming on here on the podcast. That's going to do it for this episode of the Rap Game Podcast. Until next time, look, guys, be safe out there, be kind to one another, and I'll talk to you soon.